It's October 12th, 2018, and you're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. And I'm Holly. And it's a two-drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. Well, welcome back, everyone. Happy to have you again here at the Architecture Happy Hour podcast. Uh, I am Laura Davis, an architect at HPD Architecture and Interiors, and my partner in crime here is Holly, Miss Holly Hall, who is also an architect and interior designer. And uh, we focus mostly on residential design here in the office, but something that we get to do outside of the office, part of our volunteer work, is that we are on the board of the Dallas Women's Forum. And this organization that has been around since 1906, right here in Dallas, Texas, has been a very active influence in the Dallas community. And one of the things that got us very interested in the organization is that their headquarters is at a building called the Alexander Mansion. And this building is not just any building. It is very special. And Holly and I fell in love with it immediately as soon as we we went to, did you join me at the Christmas tea or was that afterwards? No, you went to the tea and you came and raved about this building and said, you got to come see it. Yes. And so you dragged me over there kicking and screaming and I went, wow. Yeah, exactly. I knew immediately that you would fall in love with it just as I had. And the reason that we, well, one of the many reasons that we love this building so much is one, it was built in 1904. So it is well over 100 years old, and the interesting thing about it is that it's only had four owners in its entire lifespan. So there were three individual families that owned it before the Dallas Women's Forum purchased it in 1930. So from 1930 till now, till 2018, it has only been owned by this organization of women who have done nothing but cared for it, hosted events in it um, to serve the Dallas community, they have changed legislation. They've been active in their in the politics in, in the city. And it's just been an amazing, active place, even though families have not actually slept there, I guess, you know, have not actually lived in it. It has been lived in and loved for many, many years. And so we, as the current generation of women in the organization, um, are still loving it and caring for it. And that's really what got Holly and I excited about being involved. Well, one of the things about the building, and I know some of our listeners probably live in communities with buildings that are much, much older than this. But for Dallas, it's a pretty old building. Dallas doesn't love its old structures. So most of the old Dallas has been torn down and new structures put up. And so, in fact, on the street that this building is on, it's on a street called Ross Avenue in Dallas. Originally, the street was filled with mansions like this, and this is the only one that's left in its original condition. There's another mansion on the other end of Ross Avenue that is where it starts in downtown Dallas, uh, the Belo Mansion that originally was built about the same time, but they have done so much to that building that it's really not in its original condition. And by original condition, I mean this building still has original electrical wiring behind in the walls. And it's got the original ice box 
that you accessed from the outside to actually put ice in before refrigerators were invented. It's got all the old original tile from when it was put in. It's got original light fixtures. It's just incredible how much of the original building is there. And that's a plus and a minus because a lot of it needs to be restored. Even though the Women's Forum has owned it since the 30s, the organization hasn't spent a lot of money on the building. They've just lovingly lived in it and used it as their meeting place. And now, over 100 years later, it really needs to have a lot of work done. Yes, there was a, a, I don't know how extensive the renovation was in the 1960s. It was wallpaper. It was more a decorating. It was more of a decorating thing. Okay. That's when that lovely wallpaper was installed. (laughs) Yes, the textured velvet type of lovely wallpaper, (laughs) fleur-de-lis, I don't know what it is, but yes, it's um, quite decorative. In fact, we are going to put lots of pictures in the show notes, by the way, Um, so I'll give you the address at the end, but yes, please visit our site and see all the pictures because we do, it, it's a beautiful building to photograph. So I'll share all these uh, images with you. So one of the things that we kind of drew, that drew us to do this podcast today is that we're at a pivotal point in our efforts to help save the Alexander Mansion. We have had um, a very focused effort this past year, and now we're about to pivot in our fundraising and in our efforts to really give this building some attention to really save it from all of the just deferred maintenance that's been going on and the, um, you know, just some of the pieces are falling apart. There's stuff that needs to be fixed now or we could be slipping down a slippery slope where it's going to take way more money and way more effort to try to get it back. Well, we were really on a slippery slope for several years. I guess I've been a member now for about six years. Uh, but the roof was leaking terribly, and so we were getting lots of water damage inside the building. This building is one that has 18-inch thick exterior walls that are solid masonry. And so it doesn't have the typical wood studs uh, that construction now in the Texas area has. But the water was getting in, and mortar was falling off, and windows were starting to rot and all sorts of nasty things were happening because of the water intrusion. And through efforts of members raising money and then a wonderful roofing company who supplies roofing materials in the Dallas area, uh, Cyplast, stepped in to donate some roofing materials and then another group stepped in who was actually doing the labor on the building and they stepped in and donated a lot of their time and materials because originally we were just going to do the parts of the roof that were really leaking badly and we we're going to have to defer the rest of it until we could raise some more money and they said no we're going to help and they did it was just amazing so now the damage has stopped and we can start working on restoration of the building now that it's watertight. It got to the point where we would just start to cringe and get completely stressed out anytime there was rain in the forecast here in Dallas because we knew that water would just be pouring in to these wall cavities and there was nothing we could do to stop it. So We even had a couple of ceilings that collapsed because the ceilings are plaster 
and they would get full of water and they would just let loose. So it was it was really a bad situation. But that's over now. I can sleep now whenever it rains. Yes, exactly. So this building happens to be of the Beaux-Arts style. So it has a beautiful brick exterior with terracotta detailing around um, the top. It has a parapet um, wall around the roof and the flat roof up on top. So it was not something that had a sloping roof with tiles or anything like that. It was a flat roof that needed to be done properly with modern techniques. Um, But the rest of the restoration, we still have the original wood windows, and many of those are rotting. We have brick, as Holly mentioned, that needs to be repointed and remortared so that water doesn't continue to get in that way. And it's kind of interesting, the brick on the exterior, some of it is just a regular sort of flat-looking brick, and then there's a whole lot of brick that is actually glazed brick, and it's shiny. And the problem there is that uh, some of the glazing is popping off. And so we're going to have to, whenever we restore that part of it, we're going to have to match those brick. And luckily, we think we've found the source for some of it. So uh, it'll be something that we can match almost perfectly. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And that's part of the tricky thing about restoring a historic building is that you can't just throw anything up there and go, oh, it's brick, well, we can't match it, so we'll just paint it. No, you can't You can't do that. So that's part of the work that we're having to do is research these materials and make sure that we get the right specialists involved so that they take care of this building in the same loving way that we would and that we do it also properly so that the it doesn't hinder our efforts to try to get a historic designation for the building. Right now we're working on, in our free time, trying (laughs) to put together detailed drawings that are necessary to apply for listing the building on the National Register of Historic Places. The building already has a Texas state historic marker, which is a step in the right direction. But we really want to get it on the National Register because it's really a significant building in the Dallas history. It really is. And we, um, the building, even though it's privately owned by the Women's Forum, we open it multiple times a year so that the public can come in and see it because it really is beautiful. It's got a, a sweeping staircase that goes up in one single uh, flight in the from the ground floor and then it splits and goes into double flights and it has a gorgeous uh, stained glass window um, grape arbor window that's just looks like a Tiffany window the plaster moldings and and gorgeous stained glass windows um, I mean doors that are in the library it has how many fireplaces it has seven seven fireplaces that it has original bathroom fixtures in it from the 1900s that Um, are upstairs in the family bathrooms that are just, they're so unique and they're so fun to see. And it's got this incredible shower in the master bath on the second floor that probably has about 20 spray heads in it with all these wonderful named knobs like liver and back and so that you can turn on each level of the body sprays and 
I'd never seen anything look. It almost looks like a torture chamber. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the precursor to what now we lovingly call the the car wash versions <laughs> of showers where you get in and there's sprays coming from everywhere. And it's like a acupressure, uh, you know, therapy almost that these sprays of water would would point at different parts of your body. So that's always a, a fan favorite when we have guests over to, to see the house and take the house tour. But the house has incredible hand-carved moldings everywhere. It's got the original mirrors. It's got original light fixtures. It's got uh, original iron castings. Some of the light fixtures are just awesome. They've got alabaster and bronze, and they're just one of a kind. Some of them even have sort of a craftsman feel to them. Mm -hmm. Well, so we talked about the roof, but one of the things... I think, I mean, you were instrumental in getting that roof on. Yes. And the reason we had to focus on the roof, I'm sure, seems somewhat obvious to us as architects because you have to keep the water from getting in before you can focus on the pretty things on the inside. But before we got involved, there were no other architects on the board of this organization. So they... Or even in the organization. In the organization, exactly. So they really didn't know how to approach taking care of this house when it literally was in an emergency situation. So one of the things we wanted to share on the on the podcast today was if you are faced with dealing with a historic building or even your own home and you've got some deferred maintenance, where do you start? Because it's real easy to go, oh, I've got peeling paint and and this is really outdated, so let's update the inside and make it look nice when really you've got much, much bigger issues to deal with on the outside. So I'm going to let Holly take us through kind of her checklist of what she thinks of when she approaches a project like this, and what are the highest priority items that you have to deal with first? Well, probably the biggest thing to deal with is water intrusion, because if you've got water attacking your house, it wrecks everything, and you just think, oh, well, it's water. Well, you know, water gets into something, and it it causes mold, it causes rot, it causes things to fall apart, it causes things to dissolve. And so in this particular building, it was, we got to do something about the water intrusion, stop the water from getting in. And so that meant the roof. We also had one wall uh, section on this house that water was actually coming in the cracks in the brick. And so at the same time we did the roof, we did this small section of wall, and I call it small. It's about oh, 25 feet wide, and then it went all three stories of the building. Um, we forgot to tell you, this building is about 12,500 square feet with a probably about a three-quarter basement, and by that it covers three-quarters of the underside of the first floor. And then it also has a third floor, that we use, the organization uses the third floor for storage, but originally it was a billiards room. And um, so the whole issue was stopping the water. The other issue with this particular building, and a lot of people have this problem, is foundation. Because a lot of the cracks that are in the building are caused by movement of the soil. Whenever And in Texas, it's really rough because uh, this particular building is uh, set in clay, and a couple of years ago we dug down to see what type of foundation it actually has and discovered it really doesn't have one. All they did was pour 
what I call a mud slab. It was just four inches of concrete without any reinforcing in it. And they started stacking bricks on that. And that, that started about, it's about seven feet underground where the found, that foundation starts. But it's not like piers or anything that we think of today. And one of the problems in this particular building is that the soil moves up and down about nine inches on an annual basis. Because as the clay absorbs water, it swells and pushes up. And when it gets really dry, when we have a, a drought period, it shrinks down and so then the building sinks down again. So this building is constantly moving up and down and up and down and up and down. And that just stresses everything. And so in a lot of people's homes, when you start seeing cracks in your house, it's because the soil is moving around. And in a typical home, you can have a foundation company come in and put some extra piers in. But with this great big building, it's really tough to do that. We got a bid several years ago of over a million dollars to put some great big piers under the house. And we just sort of gulped and said, oh my, I think we'll just... <laughs> We'll just put out some soaker hoses all the way around and hope to keep the clay at sort of the, the same moisture level year-round so that maybe it won't move up and down as much. Because finding a million dollars to shore up the foundation is really a tough thing to do. It's what the house really needs, but it probably won't get it. Then once you've dealt with all the things that are outside, the next thing is to look at the, the big building systems on the inside, which is air conditioning and plumbing and the electrical, uh, what we call MEP, mechanical electrical plumbing. And uh, we've got some air conditioning units that aren't really working really well, so we're gonna try and raise some money and get that fixed. But the plumbing is going to be a real issue with this house, as it is with some many houses that are old, because some of the piping is cast iron. And cast iron that lasts 100 years is a miracle if it lasts that long, because cast iron rusts. And a lot of the piping that's in this house is very small, because they didn't know how to size it correctly, what we call correctly. Uh, by code back then. And then the other issue, a big one with this particular building, is the electrical. Because I have taken off a couple of the cover plates. It's got the old uh, buttons that you push, the mechanical switches, rather than the, the switches that we've got today. And a lot of the problems with the old mechanical switches is whenever you switch them mechanically, it throws little sparks and luckily, we don't have any wood in the walls of this house uh, because it's all masonry. But the wiring is all the old cloth-wrapped wire. And so, and luckily, once again, we have masonry and it's run through pipes that are within the masonry. So we haven't had problems with that. Uh, I have discovered in the past few years that originally the wiring that's up in the attic was bare wire that was run on the old China isolators. And they called that knob and tube. And uh, I don't know when it happened, but I was told several years ago 
they decided to rerun, rerun new wiring up in the attic so that they could get rid of that because it was all exposed, but you could still see the old knobs up in the attic and also in some places down in the basement. So that's kind of fascinating because that was sort of, um, at the time the house was built, Dallas didn't have a power grid. And so the guy that built the house, his name was Alexander, and that's why it's called the Alexander Mansion. Um, he was instrumental in changing the Dallas trolley car system from horse-drawn to electrified. And so he was a, a forward thinker for the time. And so he installed his own generator out in the backyard to power his house because not everybody had electricity in their houses at that time. So the knob and tube was sort of an innovative thing for the time, but thank goodness it's no longer working in the house. Yeah, it was one of the earliest homes to actually have electric light bulbs. The The light fixtures in the house were never gas. They were always electric. And so it, I just it's a very romantic image to me to think of all of those gorgeous, beautiful homes all the way down Ross Avenue and, and to see the Alexander Mansion just glowing, just sparkling from inside with these electric lights. How, how so fancy that must have been back then to, to go to a party at the house and, and see all of that. And from what we've read in the old newspaper clippings, they threw a lot of parties back then. Yes, they did. <laughs> it's a wonderful house for entertaining, for sure. Well, so when you think about what we have accomplished to this date, um, we've got the new roof, we've had ceilings repaired, the whole stairway has been repainted in the butler's pantry. Um, we've made some major advances or you know steps towards getting this house restored and back to where it needs to be. What are you most excited to show off this fall? Because we have a wonderful home tour coming up in December. We have events in October that we're gonna tell you all about. But Holly, what is what do you think is going to be really fun to be able to show to people when we have them in the house? Well, I think right now, before we're able to do much on the inside, it's just I have been thrilled to give people tours because everybody that walks to the house just oohs and ahs because there's so much the original, I call it the original fabric, the original uh, finishes and and the wood carvings and everything that's there. And it's like you're stepping back in time. And so people are always fascinated by that. I've been, sometimes I've been working at the house measuring or doing something, and somebody will knock on the door and say, well, they've driven by this house for years, and is there any chance they can take a look? And so I'll give them a, a quick tour, and they're just, oh my gosh, this is just fabulous. Because Dallas doesn't have many structures from that time period intact. And so it's just like stepping back in time. So we wanted to share with you some of the events that are coming up this fall because it really is a rare chance to get to see a home like this. Um, and the fun part, too, is that they'll be decorated for the seasons. So coming up on Friday, October 19th, is what we're calling the Girls' Night Out at the Craft Fair. And this is going to be a really fun um, event for ladies to come and shop. Um, we'll have some wine and some refreshments and we have a list of over 20 vendors that are coming with their handmade wonderful jewelry and clothing and home decor and gift items. Um, just anything that you can think of that you would picture at a craft fair. We have some really wonderful 
handpicked vendors that will be there. And this is going to be a ladies' night out. So that would be your first chance. Um, and that's coming up on October 19th. The very next day, we have the same vendors will be there for a craft fair that's open to the public and uh, more of a traditional craft fair. Yeah, the ladies' night out is $25 so that we can party as well as shop. <laughs> and right. so, so we thought we'd make it a real event. But if you just want to shop, then you come and, and come to the craft fair the next day. And any of the members of the forum, I will be there, uh, will be willing to give you a tour of the house if you'd love to see what it is that we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, because we love to share our excitement for this wonderful building. Well, one of the reasons we're doing a fundraiser on Friday night is that we're really trying to raise some money to put in a, a wheelchair ramp, an accessible ramp, um, to the front entrance of the house because it is, as Holly said, it's three floors, and um, right now it's really difficult to get in our visitors um, who can't walk up the steps. So that's one of our big focuses for this fundraiser is to get that ramp in place. Then coming up towards the end of October, we have several Halloween events that are going to be really fun. We've got on October 26th, which is a Friday evening, we have the Halloween ball, and this is a costume ball. And if you can imagine an old house at night decorated for Halloween, it is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah, I can't wait to see it in all of its spooky finery. Exactly. Well, it's a little bit spooky just on its own. And so to have it all decked out for Halloween, it should be really fun. So that's October 26th. And then on October 30th, we're having a an event in the parking lot behind the Alexander Mansion called Trunk or Treat. And this is really for our community in the neighborhood. We've got lots of kids that come by and we're going to play games and our members are going to have the trunks of their cars decorated and we're going to hand out candy and that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to have my kids there in costume and it'll be a great time. And that isn't really an event where you can see the inside of the house because that's just, it's really just a community, give back to the community type of event. One of the many types of ways that the Women's Forum gives back to the community. The next opportunity to really see the house in all of its decked out finery is going to be when we have our annual Christmas at the Alexander um, tour. And that is to show off the house. And we've got a committee that spends weeks and weeks decorating the house to the nines for the Christmas season. So we've got that home tour. And what are the dates on that, Laura? Let's see. The home tour starts on November 30th, which is a Friday. And it goes through Sunday. It does. It's for that weekend. And, and for that event, we actually have docents who uh, are there to take you through the house and give you more of the history of the house and the history of the Women's Forum, how it interacts with the house. And so you get to see all the nitty gritty and they point out all the special items in the house. And so that's really a fun tour. Yeah, there's a gorgeous tile mosaic floor in the the most benign place in the house, you would think it would be front and center and just celebrated, but it's in the in the back entry hall, carriage hall, carriage, right? Yeah, carriage entrance hall. It's the back door. Right. It's by the back door, and it used to be covered by carpet. And one 
holiday home tour, I was one of the docents and I just couldn't stand it anymore. So I kind of got down there in between the tours and I pulled back a corner and I could not believe what I found. I was like, Holly, we have to show this off. This is so gorgeous. And of course it's been, you know, it's over a hundred years old, I'm sure. And so parts of the little tiny mosaic are coming loose. So that's another thing that we need to get restored um, before we lose the entire pattern. But it's got these beautiful, wonderful little roses in it and and vines and it's kind of a creamy white tile it's in the middle gorgeous. and yeah it's really and fun. the neat thing is that i've found the source for the tile oh fantastic yeah. i didn't know that yes it's oh, in st louis it is yes oh my gosh how yes. fun all the colors and the sizes and everything oh that's so, so I'm excited. excited yeah so we can we can raise money for that specifically yeah, and oh get that's restored. very cool so then following the holiday home tour which is really our big kickoff to the holiday season and I can't even count how many Christmas trees are in the house at that time, but it is just 20 knock, or 25. Oh my it's gosh, just, knock your socks off. It's incredible. Yeah, it's so much fun. And then after that, um, the following weekend starting, it's actually Wednesday through Sunday um, for the next two weeks after that. So the 5th through the 9th, and then the 12th through the 16th of December of 2018, you also have the opportunity to come for the Holiday European Tea Room. And this is where we sort of transform the first floor of the Alexander Mansion into a tea room. So we set up tables. You can book a full table for your party. So if you want to bring your mom and your sister and, and your niece, you can come and have a, just a wonderful time. And we have a specialty tea that we have developed for the Alexander Mansion and for the Dallas Women's Forum, and that's a lot of fun. It's called chocolate almond bliss. No, it's caramel. Almond oh, is it bliss. caramel almond bliss? And it's fabulous. Oh my too. gosh, it's so delicious. So, and a special thing at the tea, we have a member who, um, the guy that built the house, Charles Alexander, had a sister, and his sisters. She was an old maid, as they called unmarried women back then. Miss Birdie Alexander, and Miss Birdie was very instrumental in getting the music. Uh, programs going in Dallas public schools. Catch that, I said instrumental in getting it done. Oh, <laughs> look how yeah. creative oh, oh, you are. Oh. <laughs> um, but Miss Birdie, our member, her name is Kathy Roach, uh, has done a lot of research on Miss Birdie and her life. And so Kathy dresses up on some days during the tea and gives tours of the house and from the viewpoint of Miss Birdie Alexander, and talks about what was going on in the Dallas community back there at the time the house was built, and then takes people on a guided tour of the house. And it's really fun. She really gets into character. She really gets <laughs> into character, and she's got that wonderful green hat with the plume. It's just, she's just fabulous. Yeah, so you can tell we have a lot of fun with the house and with the organization and the wonderful women um, that are members of this really landmark organization that's been in Dallas. It was the first departmental women's organization in the entire state, I believe. Yeah, and what that means is that they had, back then at that time, there were individual organizations that were like for theater or for reading books, literary, or get together for cooking, or whatever it was. And they sort of pulled all those organizations together into a single big organization. They called it a departmental club. 
And because back then women couldn't vote, they couldn't do all sorts of things. It just so happens that the founder of the organization was one of the first women to sit on the Dallas school board and women couldn't even vote. The men voted her in because she was such the powerhouse. She was just an amazing person. Yeah, I'm quite proud to be a member of this group. And it's, I really feel a sense of legacy of what these women have done before us and really feel a responsibility to continue that tradition of really serving our community, helping the women and children of our neighborhood and of, our, um, of the Dallas area, really, that um, we can help these women and girls really come up and bring up their family in the same strong way. And... And then also, too, trying to save this fantastic building that's a landmark in the Dallas community. One of the things that uh, the organization has started doing is that if there's any nonprofit that wants to hold a meeting in the Alexander Mansion, they can do so for free. And, uh, and that's another way that we try and support the community as well as uh, share the wonderful legacy of the Alexander Mansion with the Dallas community. Absolutely. And we have quite a few members who have rented the house for their own events. Some have even gotten married there. It's an absolutely gorgeous venue for a, for a wedding or for a special event. So there's lots that can be said about the Alexander Mansion. You can, you can hardly tell that Holly and I love it <laughs> so, so much. So that's what we wanted to share with you today. We'd love to hear from you. If you have stories about historic homes that you've been involved with and helping save these real gems for your community. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure that you check out our show notes um, on our website. Go to hpdarch.com forward slash AHH76. And that's for episode 76. And we'll make sure we have lots of fun photos there and some links for you so you can go check out some of these events. And if you are able to come and be in the Dallas area for these events, please stop in because probably Holly and I will be at most of them. And stop in and say hi and and let whoever you meet know that you heard about it from our podcast. And um, they would be more than happy to share the house with you and give you a tour. So until next time, we hope we see you there. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye.